0: We'll just go ahead and start, and whoever's not here can just show up late. So, good morning. Uh, We're continuing along in 2 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, Continuing the story, David is fleeing from Absalom, and uh, Absalom has, of course, just uh, arrived in Jerusalem. He's uh, setting up his kingdom, his court. And this morning we're going to see how he wants to deal with David Because David escaped and he has to do something about him If he wants to be the king uh, Because David is still the rightful king And so for him to be king he has to deal with David yet And this morning is how is he going to deal with David And we're going to see that uh, David's plan of having his spy Hushai in place is going to come to fruition and we're going to see how that works out. So that's kind of the story this morning. Um, and we're going to kind of we take this week and next week is dealing with uh, David and Absalom a little bit and then chapter 19 uh, is kind of the resolution of the story. So a couple of weeks yet on this and then uh, after that will be kind of the end of David's kingdom after the rest of the, the book. So that's kind of where we're at on Second Samuel chapter 17 here. So let's go ahead and we'll open in prayer, and then uh, we'll jump into the text this morning. Uh, so Matt, would you open us in prayer? Thank you. Okay, so Second Samuel chapter 17. Let's look at verses 1 through 4 to start with. John, uh, Jan, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, Ahithophel gives Absalom some good advice. Yeah, so here's his advice. He says, uh, here, here's my advice. Let me take 12,000 men tonight, right away, and go after David. He's weary, he's weak. Um, and when I come upon him, he'll become afraid. The people will become afraid. They'll flee. I'll be able to kill David and then I'll bring all the people that went with them back, and basically they'll come back, and they'll submit themselves to you, they'll come back in peace, and they'll be your people, and you'll be king, and David will be gone, you won't have to deal with David anymore, and but you'll have all this people, and everything will be fine, and it'll all be taken care of, and I can do that tonight, I can grab 12,000 men right now and just go and deal with it, while he's still not far away, and he's still fleeing, and he's still weak, and... They're still confused. I can do that right now. And this is really good advice. You know, deal with, deal with the problem right away. Deal with it while David's still close. Deal with it while David's not really organized. And so Ahithophel gives this great advice to Absalom. And Absalom hears it and says, oh, yeah, that's, that's really good advice. The elders hear and they say, oh, good advice. So they're pleased with this advice. And this is really what they should do. Well, Absalom wants to get a second opinion, so he uh, asks Hushay, and we know who Hushay is, he's David's spy, mm-hmm. and so he's going to give some different advice, so let's look at verses 5 through 10 and see what he says, Josiah, and you can pass this back to Jana.
1: Then Absalom Up. So Hushai said to Absalom, The advice that uh, Ahithophel has given is not good at this time. For, said Hushai, you know your father and his men, they are mighty men, and they are enraged in their minds, like the bear robbed of her cubs in the field. And your father is a man of war, and will not camp with the people. Surely, my now."
0: So Hushai starts by advising against Ahithophel. And so Absalom wants to hear Hushai's plan, so Hushai comes, and Absalom says, here's what Ahithophel says, this is what he says we should do, what do you think about this? And he kind of gives them the, this, the saying, if, uh, "If you have a, if, if, should we do what he says, if not, speak up now, this is your chance to tell us otherwise. And uh, Hushai says, oh, this is not good. <laughs> this, is, this is not a good plan. It, the problem is it is a good plan. So Hushai is going to scare Absalom a little bit, that this is not going to work. And he's going to give reasons why. He's not going to say it's not good. Just not say it's not good. He's going to give reasons why it's not good. So he says, uh, you know why it's not good? Well, look at your dad. What's your dad like? Your dad and his men, Are they're mighty. These guys are war-hardened. They're, they're warriors. These guys are fighters. And you know what? They're enraged now. You took the throne from him. He's mad. In fact, he, he's, like, he's like a mama bear robbed of her cubs. You think you're going to just go in there and kill him? Oh, no. Oh, no. You've got to fight on your hands now. This is not going to be easy. Uh, and he's a man of war. He's just going to camp with his people. He's, you know, they're going to set up the camp here, but he's going to be—he's not going to be camping with them. He's going to be hiding out someplace. He's going to be hidden in a hole someplace, in a pit somewhere. And you're going to go into the camp, and he's not going to be there. And so he's going to be hidden. You're not going to be able to find him easy. And then what's going to happen is that when you go in there with your twelve thousand men, he's going to start attacking. And when your people start dying, they're going to start spreading rumors. Okay? And they're going to say, "Oh, oh no." Uh, there 's a slaughter among the people, and your people are going to start losing heart and they um, 're they 're going to do that because they know that David and his men are mighty they 're warriors and they're, they're going it 's going to be a slaughter and even though you' you might only lose a couple of people, these rumors are going to spread, and everybody 's going to lose heart and they 're going to flee and it 's just not going to end well, so you don 't want to do this this is a bad plan you just send twelve thousand people and that 's not going to be enough so so Take your 12,000 people tonight. Nope, nope, don't do that. That's a bad plan. Well, what is your plan, Hushai? You don't want to take 12,000 people. What do you want to do? Let's look at verses 11 through 14. Let's see what his plan is. Who wants to read? Miriam, go ahead. So Hushai's advice, I'm not even using Roman numerals up here, I'll change that. Is followed. And so what is his advice? Hushai advises Assan to go with a full army. Twelve thousand men is not enough. You gotta gather everybody. You could gather every warrior from all over Israel. Now when he says to gather all of Israel, he doesn't mean like every single person in Israel, obviously. Not gonna gather the women, the children, old the men. He's saying, gather all the warriors from all the tribes, get a full army against David, because these twelve thousand men aren't gonna be enough. And not only that, but you go in person, you lead this army, because you know you gotta really take David seriously here. You go and you overwhelm him, you fall on him like the dew upon the grass. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna just overwhelm him, because David is this mighty warrior. You gotta. You've got to really be prepared because he's going to fight. And then if he's in a city, okay, now you've got the people that you can go in the city. And he's talking about the ropes. Well, why do you need ropes? All, all these cities have walls around them. So you use the ropes, you pull down the walls, we're going to tear down the city. We'll make sure that we get him. But we've got to make sure we have enough people to do this. So don't just take your 12,000 men. Don't just send a Hithophel. You lead your full army against David. And Absalom says, oh, that's really good advice. That's a lot better than what Ahithophel was telling us. We're going with that. And the writer here says the reason why he does that is not because it was better advice, because it says that Ahithophel had good advice. It's because God purposed to defeat the advice of Ahithophel. So God was working the situation that even though Ahithophel was giving really good advice, God was working the situation to change the king's heart to make him take the bad advice of Hushai. And then it says the intent of God was to bring disaster on Absalom. So God was working the situation to work out his purpose by using Hushai's bad advice to bring about his goal and what would happen in the kingdom of Israel. Well, we know that David had his 600 men from you know, when he was fleeing before, plus whoever else was with him. And, and there's a possibility that David may have gathered people along the way. So there was no way he had 12,000 men. 12,000 men was probably a lot more than what David had. Um, 12,000 was probably much more than what David had. So 12,000 would have been more. So why was Hushai's plan worse for Absalom? Well, there's probably a couple of reasons here. And that's in the next square on the next page here. Um, Hushai's plan had two characteristics which made it worse. One, instead of gathering just 12,000 men relatively quickly, in fact, Ahithophel said, We can go tonight with these 12,000 men. Um, and going to pursue David, Absalom would have needed more time to gather men from the whole nation, and thus giving David more time to David to prepare for Absalom. And as we will see in the next chapter, prepare a counterattack against him. So this gave David time to prepare to maybe gather more men, to set up a defense, to set up a counterattack. And we're going to see that there's actually some fighting that goes on. If Ahithophel came that night while David was weary, while David was tired, while David was um, was weak, he probably would have won. Mm. But now that Absalom has to take some time to gather the men, to, to get the troops together, this is going to give David time to prepare. Mm. And so Hushai is giving David that extra time that he needs. It also gives David time to flee farther away. It makes Absalom pursue him farther. Also, number two now, this plan plays on Absalom's pride. While Absalom could have defeated David and brought the rest of the people who left with David back under his rule, now Absalom passed on this for the sake of leading the attack on David himself. And when people start to get prideful, when they start acting for their own benefit, they start making mistakes. And so... So Hushai's is doing these things here. Yeah, yeah. Absalom is now, now acting for his own benefit instead of doing what's best for the kingdom, for what would actually help Absalom. Now he's trying to make it more beneficial for what makes him look better instead yeah. of doing what's better. So, so Hushai's plan is really a worse plan here. In fact, if they went with a Hithophel, probably David probably wouldn't have stand much of a chance there, because David would not have been prepared. It also, as we'll see in a second, it gives David's spying network time to work, because David needs to get information about what's going on, and that doesn't happen instantaneously. And if a Hithophel was able to go out that night and attack David, he would have never found out what the plan was. And so Hushai gives David time to prepare time to do what David needs to do. So so Hushai's plan, much worse for Absalom, much better for David. Second Samuel 17. Let's, uh, verses 15 through 17. Who wants to read next? Abigail. So a female would come and tell them and they would go and tell community. So Hushai sends spies to David. Remember, this was the spy network David set up. You know, you tell the priests, the priests are gonna send their sons out to me and let me know what's going on. So Hushai goes to the priest like he was supposed to, he tells them all that was said. He tells the priest to go and inform David, and here's what he says don't stay on the plains. Don't stay in the wilderness on the plains. Cross over. Now cross over here, it seems to mean cross over the Jordan. So it's, uh, they're out here, probably between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea, and he's telling them to cross over into Jordan. We'll see in a second that he's going to go east, and that's where he's headed. Um, so cross over the Jordan, and the idea is, or else you're going to get defeated if you hang out here. Because while I postponed Absalom's attack, he's coming with a large army. So if you stay here, you're not going to be able to defeat this large army. I'm giving you time. I'm not giving you a sure victory here. Uh, that's the best he knew. Hushai couldn't, you know, part of his plan was he's trying to defeat the advice of uh, 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 Hithophel, but he's not, he can't say, Oh, Absalom, don't pursue David. You don't want to do that. He can't stop him from doing that. So uh, he's only giving him time. Um, so Jonathan and uh, Himaaz, uh, they're going to be sent. But they're staying outside the city. And the reason they're staying outside the city is because they don't want to be seen going back and forth between the priest and outside the city. So they're hanging out outside of the city. Um, so they have a female servant who's another go-between. So Hushai is going to the priest. The priest is sending a female city to his sons, and the sons are going to David. So this is they've got they got this whole network set up going on. Um, so the female servant is going to deliver the message, and then they would go tell it to David. So it's it, they got a very complicated system here, and it seems like there's a lot going on here. Well, when there's a lot going on here, there's breakdowns in the system, and we'll see that in the next set of verses here, verses 18 through 20. Who wants to read next? Okay, go ahead. So a woman hides David's spies. So a boy spots the spies. Um, he seems to be Irish because he's a lad. Um, I don't know. That's I don't know why they use lad there. A uh, Boy spots, spots the spies and he tells Absalom. So uh, he's loyal to Absalom and says, "Oh, I, I saw the spies going here." And they went to this house in Bahurim. And this is a place that's just east of Jerusalem. Um, This man, he had a well in this house. And this well, it seems like it was probably a dry well because the guys are going to go down into it. Um, So they hid in the well. And the women spread the covering over the well. So this covering, because they're going to put grain on top of it. like First, I hear a covering. I think like they're going to throw a sheet over the well. But it's obviously not a sheet. It's some kind of solid covering. Um, because are gonna put she's gonna put grain on top of it. Probably a large pile of grain to make it look like it's something that's permanently there, something to cover the covering so that it doesn't look like there's actually a well underneath the grain. Mm. You know, it's just it's just that's our pile of grain over there. There's not a well underneath the pile of grain, mind you, because you don't wanna make you think, Well, what's under that pile of grain? Yeah. Well, that's our well. Well, why don't you open it up and let us see what's down in your well, you know, yeah. where the guys are hiding. So you wanna cover it completely so that they don't know what's there. So they hide in there, she puts the covering on, she piles the grain on top of it, probably a large amount of grain to cover that covering so they can't see it. And then Absalom sends his servants there, um, and they search for the spies, and they're searching the house, and the woman says, oh, they've, they've passed on, they've gone over the Jordan, they've crossed over. Um, and the spies are like, they know that they're, they're there somewhere, so they keep searching, but they can't find them. And this is why it makes me think that this was covered pretty well, that they didn't know that there was a well there. Because otherwise, if they had any inkling that you know, the grain was on top of something that was covered, I would think they'd say, let's take the grain off and open it up. So I think it was covered pretty well. So since they could not find them there, then they returned to Jerusalem saying, we don't know where they are. And so she successfully hides these spies in their well. Um, And and it just goes to show, and you'll see this over and over as we go through this chapter, that Absalom doesn't have the full support of the people. There's people here and there and all over the place that still support David and still uh, seem to be working against Absalom here. And even these people are just outside of Jerusalem. So even close to Jerusalem here, there's people that are on David's side and want to help him out. And, And these guys are the priest's sons too, so it might be, you know, yeah, if, you're, if your pastor or your pastor's kids come by and say, hey, we're, we want some help or something, you'd probably be like, oh, yeah, you're, you're the pastor. You're the pastor's kids. You probably want to help them because that's who they are. These are the priest's kids, so it, it, you probably would help them just for that, their sakes anyways. Um, but, yeah, so they, they're, they're helping them out. They're helping David out here. And we are going to see some more people help David later. So, so the women hides David spies. They're not found, and they're ready to go on. Verses 21 through 23. Joanna. Okay, so two blanks here. David leaves. And Ahithophel kills himself. So the spies tell David of Absalom's plan. And notice they they, uh, tell about Ahithophel's plan. And I think the reason is is that there's no guarantee Absalom's not going to change his mind here. And so they need to tell both plans and make sure that David understands this is what Hushai said. You know, so you may have some time, but just in case, you better get going. Uh, but they tell David to cross over the water, again, probably the Jordan, get to the other side of the Jordan. Um, and so David packs up and takes it very seriously. In fact, by morning, he's gone. He's, he's off and running. Uh, so he's, he's gone and has everybody moving. Then we go back to Ahithophel. And so Hithophel. Um, really is discouraged here, as you can see. His advice was not followed. He saw that, so he saddles his donkey. He arises. He leaves the king's court. He takes a trip back to his hometown, to his city. He sets his house in order, and he kills himself. Now, this seems really strange to us. You know, it, it, it seems like kind of like you, you you take your ball and go home and pout, and then kill yourself, right? Why would you kill yourself? Your advice wasn't heeded by the king. So what, right? So why why would he do that? It seems kind of extreme, doesn't it? Anybody have a thought why he would do that? Jonah. That is very astute. I think he's... He, hes This is a pretty smart guy. I mean, he came up with a good plan. And he sees where this path is leading with Absalom. Absalom's following the bad advice. He sees Absalom's going to fail here. David's going to win out. And when David comes back in the reign, Ahithophel, he's a traitor. He traded sides. And he's going to be held accountable for what he's done. And I think he fears that David's going to execute him anyway. And so he's like... I am losing in this either way here. There's not really any hope for me. And so he he's he's despaired and he said it's better for me to kill myself now than to face David's wrath and face David's judgment. I think that's the point where he's gotten to. That's that's my thought on this why he would do this. Because I don't see any other way other you know if somebody the king doesn't heed your advice this once why would you kill yourself otherwise? But I think he sees that you know Hushai has given him bad advice that David's, David has a good chance of winning this and now he's gonna to have to end up facing David's judgment when David wins this whole thing. Uh so he puts his father's house in order. Um you know, he doesn't just doesn't just go on and recklessly kill himself, I guess at least. He sets his house in order. Um he kills himself and they bury him as his father's tomb. So he he leaves the story. He's done with the story, his life is done here. Um and just kind of despairs of the whole thing. So Hithwithel, kind of a tragic end to his story here. Uh, Verses 24 through 29, let's read on. Matthew, go ahead.
2: So be the son of Nahas from whoever, of the people of Ammon, Machir, the son of emuel from Lodibur, and Azirah, the from Lord, Jion, beds and basins, earthen and vessels, and wheat, barley and pots green grain and beans, lentils, and pots seeds, honey, and sheep, and cheese of the herd of David and the people, for them to eat. But it says the people
0: are hungry and willing and thirsty, and all that. So two more blanks here. Um, Absalom pursues David, and then uh, David and uh, the people here. There, let me see. Where David and the people are fed. David and his people. Absalom pursues David, and David is fed. So David goes to. Uh, This is uh, someplace in Ammon, it looks like, actually. So he's crossed over the Jordan and traveled pretty far here. Absalom crosses over the Jordan, too. And that gives a little bit about Absalom's army structure here. He makes Amasa his captain. And it says, instead of Joab, and this is an interesting point. Remember the last time Joab and Absalom had uh, interaction with each other? What happened? What was Absalom doing to Joab's field? Burning. Yeah, <laughs> burning Joab's field and trying to convince Joab to talk to David so that he could go see the king. And Joab was trying, remember, Joab was trying to help Absalom and David reconcile, um, as pitifully as that went. Um, Joab was, seemed to be trying to help, but uh, apparently Absalom was not making Joab his captain. Now, why is that? Yeah, in fact, uh, people think that Joab is actually with David right now, that Joab left with David, that he stayed loyal to David at this time. And so Absalom can't have Joab as his captain of his army of Joabs with David. So uh, he picks Amasa. Now, who's Amasa? He's the son of Jithra. And Jithra is a guy who had gone into Abigail, who is Absalom and Joab's cousin. I, I must have been really tired when I did this because I had to read this like four times and start drawing this out, who's related to who here. And then I figure out, oh, it's just... He's a cousin to Joab, but Joab's a cousin to Absalom, so they're all related here again. And this, is, this seems to be the big theme, is that you find somebody who's related to you to lead your army. At least there might be some family loyalty there. Less likely maybe they betray you or something. Um, also, since uh, maybe the military genius runs in the family, you get somebody who's in your family that maybe knows something about this stuff. I don't know. So uh, he's related. He's a cousin to Absalom. Um, and Absalom then camps in the land of Gilead. Uh, so he's he's pursuing and coming after David with his army. Mm. So then we go back to David and David's here <laughs> camping in Mahananim, and these three men come to David. The first one we see is the Shobi guy. Well Shobi is described as the son of Nahash, um, and he's from Rabah and you know, all the people of Ammon. And it says he's a brother to Hanan. Well, Hanan is the king of the Ammonites, and we read about him in Second Samuel chapter ten. In Second Samuel chapter ten, David wants to show Hanan um, favor because of what his dad had done for him when David was in exile. So David shows kindness to Hanan, and now Hanan's brother Shobi comes and shows kindness to David. And so he seems to have a relationship, at least with Hanan, and probably, probably Shobi. I'm sure that the brothers get along somewhat. So Shobi goes to David and brings him some stuff. And so Shobi fits into this story pretty good. And then another guy that comes is Mechir. Um He's the son of Emil from Lodabar. Well, where did he come from? Well, in 2 Samuel 9, we see that he was the one who was housing Mephibosheth before David plucked him out of that house, and put him in his court. So he was taking care of Mephibosheth before David discovered him and decided to provide for him. And so maybe Makir here, maybe he has some affection towards Mephibosheth because why else would you take care of a guy? And maybe he was obligated, but maybe he also you know, actually cared for him and maybe he was appreciative of what David had done for Mephibosheth, and now that David's in need, he says, okay, David's out here, I'm going to do something for David. Um, so he's there. And then the third guy we see is uh, Barzilia and he's a Gileadite from uh, Rogalim, and up to this point, we've seen nothing about him. Um, he, he's, this is the first time he shows up in the story. Um, he's going to come back a little bit later, a couple of chapters down the way, and He seems to be a much older guy, perhaps rich. Um, David tries to talk him into coming to Jerusalem, and he kind of says, I can't. I'm too old to do that. And so uh, we think that he's an older guy, maybe close to the age of 80 or maybe in his 80s. Um, But Abigail was asking if he was old, and I said yes. And then she asked if he was rich, and I said yes. And she's like, okay, well, that's good. So... um, No, epsilon will not work out. Um, so, so he shows up later, um, and so we'll talk about him a little more then. But, um, so he shows up, and these guys brought supplies, and they brought beds, basins, and earthen vessels. Um, so I kind of I kind of categorize these. It's not really categorized categorizing the text, but I categorize these to make it a little bit easier. So these are like the non non food stuff, the bed, the basins, the earthen vessels. Um, they brought wheat, barley, flour, parched grain, beans, lentils, parched seeds. These are like the what do you call them the dry goods the the, the 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 kind of the essential stuff I kind of think of um, the honey and curds are kind of like the luxury items in my opinion. This is the stuff that that they would think would taste good i don 't know if I would eat curds myself, but um, I, uh, curds are kind of, i I want the real cheese, but uh, they like curds back then I would imagine honey I, honey I guess I would eat um, what 's that uh, i 'm I'm, I'm not as big a fan of honey we We produce honey, but I like honey in stuff. Yeah, um, and then uh, sheep and cheese of the herd. So I'm guessing that they put the cheese in because of where they get the cheese from. Um, you know, the, the goat cheese type stuff probably. More they don't, they don't do the cow cheese like we do. Uh, so that's why they grouped that together. So they brought all this stuff to the people, and the reason they brought it, brought it, they said the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Now, notice they didn't say, well, we could make a lot of money off this. We could benefit from their distress. They just saw a need there and said, we can provide this need. I think that's important there that I, I think they saw the need that David had and they decided to do something about it because uh, David didn't ask for it. David didn't go to them and say, hey, do you guys have anything for us? They just saw that. So so that's where we're at. Um, next week we're going to do some fighting. Well, we're not going to do some fighting. They're, our people are going to do some fighting. You guys can do some fighting after no you shouldn't do some fighting. Oh, two weeks two weeks from two weeks from now we're going to do it because that's right Abigail celebrated. okay Takeaways so I think that one of the big takeaways here that we see is God is in control of kings and authorities, and we see that that God was moving Absalom to even uh, foolishly take bad advice in order to do what he would with the kingship in Israel. Um, there is no authority that exists apart from God, allowing it to exist. Uh, here we see that God is working to remove Absalom from the position of king and to restore David by working even in the court of the king by allowing him to reject good advice and accept bad advice. And Romans 13.1 reminds us of that. It says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Um, and I don't remember which gospel it's in now. I remember one of the gospels, uh, Jesus is before Pilate, and Pilate's trying to get Jesus to answer questions. Jesus is not answering questions, and Pilate goes, do you know who I am, that I have the authority to uh, free you, and I have the authority to condemn you? And Jesus' answer is that you would have no authority unless it came from God. And that, you know, that's, that's what's true. God gives authority. And even... Um, and I, I, I will make it no, um, I won't hide my opinion. I'm not a big fan of our current president. But you're what? Like God has allowed him to be an authority in our country. And has allowed him to be in place. And God is in control of that. Yes. And what that means is that I can trust God in the situation and that I may not like the way he's governing and I may not like the decisions he's making, And I may think that the things that he's doing is hurting our country. But God is still in control of things. And God is still sovereign over the situation. And he's working things out to his will and purpose. And I can still trust God in that situation. And I can still submit myself to the governing authorities. And this passage goes on to say that we should be praying for those authorities. And so I can still pray for my president. And I can still... Pray that he would get his act together, that he would trust the Lord as Savior, and that he would make wise decisions. And I can pray that God would move uh, our government, that he would replace the people that don't like him and that hate him and replace them with people that love him and want to do what's right. And so those are all things that I can do because God is in control of the situation. In this passage, we see that God is, even though he's using this situation, again, to uh, show his judgment to David... He's still working out the situation in the, in the government of Israel, and the kingship of Israel, to put David back in place as king. And he's working the situation that he's working the heart of, the, of Absalom to make him take bad advice so that he can make Absalom fall and put David back in place as king. And God can move the kings, and God can move governments, and God is sovereign over that, and we can trust him. So I think that's that's a big takeaway of this passage here as we see this. Um, Second one, um, three foreign men saw a need and showed generosity to David and his people. They seemed to do this with no thought for reward, but because they truly wanted to help. And I think that's a a point for us. We need to, we are to see the needs in others around us and meet those needs without thought of reward or without expectation of being repaid. Um, You know, I think, you know, our primary purpose as Christians is to reach people with the gospel. I think that's true. Um, but over and over, the Bible also talks about us meeting the needs of other people and seeing needs that are around us and meeting those needs. Um, even in, like, Acts 6, when the, the apostles uh, were dealing with uh, the widows that were being neglected in the daily distribution of food, they didn't say, well, hey, no, that's not important. We need to worry about spiritual stuff. Forget about the food. They still said, no, we need to take care of this. It needs to be taken care of. And they pointed men to do that. And so there is a legitimacy to meeting people's needs when there's needs all around us. And so if we have the means and the opportunity to help people, we need to find ways to do that because that's, I think, what God wants us to do. Now, again, our primary purpose is to meet spiritual needs, to reach people with the gospel, to help people grow in Christ. I think that's first and foremost. But that doesn't negate the need that we need to see. Uh, If we see a need in somebody, we need to be meeting those needs that people have. And so it's a good reminder of that. And then my third takeaway is one of, one of these men who helped David may have been helping because of the kindness David had shown in the past, and, and maybe a second one here, even in McCur, uh, kind of second handedly. But Shobi was the brother of King the King of Ammon, and David had purpose to show kindness to the king of Ammon early in his reign. When we sow righteousness we reap righteousness, when we sow goodness we reap goodness. Uh, David built these relationships not knowing he would have this need later in his life, but when the need arrived, the friendships he built paid off. And I put this verse in here. This is a verse that a long time ago when I was a younger Christian, a pastor quoted to me once uh, because I I was always an introverted type of guy and I didn't make friends very easily. And he quoted this verse saying you need to be more outgoing, you need to be talking to people, you need to be interacting with people, and you need to... Engage people because it's important. And he quoted this verse to me. He said, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And he, he basically gave me the idea that you need to build those relationships with people if you want to have relationships with people. You need to work at that. And I, I think even more than that, that when we invest in people... When we take the time, the energy, the effort to invest in people, God uses those people to invest in us. And that you look at the body, the way the body of Christ works, that each part does its share of the work. That the body doesn't work if we're not working to help other parts of the body. If we're being a foot and we're off on our own doing our own foot thing and not helping the rest of the body the rest of the body can't help you as a foot. And we need to be working together and investing in each other. And so I I think that, you know, even though David didn't know that he was going to have this need, he spent time investing in people. He spent time doing good to other people. And God was able to use that so that he could do good back to David through these men. And it's a reminder to us that um, we just need to be doing good to people. We just need to be helping people. And not, not expecting that God's ever going to use that again, but God could use that again to help us, to benefit us, that God may bless us for what, the good that we've done by using someone else in our lives because of things that we've done for him. And so we just need to, we need to do it because it's the right thing. But God uses those relationships as we build relationships, as we invest in people, that it's a mutual beneficial thing as we grow uh, together as the body of Christ, that the body of Christ grows with us, and, and we work together, and we build each other up, and we encourage one another, and we grow each other, and that's how it's supposed to work. We're, we're not alone in this. We're together in this. We're unified. We're one body, and, and it works together. And I think, I think you know, this illustration is not a perfect illustration because this is Israel and this is just this one situation. But I, I think it points to a bigger truth that this body works together. We grow together, and we help each other and. You know, you may you may help somebody else in the church and you may say, I'm never going to see any benefit from that. But what you're doing grows the body and it, it affects you and it helps you and it grows you and it helps mature you as a believer in Christ because you're working in the body. We belong together. God put us together for a reason. And each part has a role to play. Each part has a job to do. Each part has to be there for the other parts or the body doesn't work right. And you know, Paul talks about that. There's, there's parts of the body that seem more presentable and less presentable, but those parts are all important. And Each part has a role to play. And you know, the passage talks about that the eye can't say to the ear you're not important. The ear can't say to, the, to the, the nose you're not important. You know, that kind of idea. You can't say that no part is, that there's one part that's more important than the other. Each part is important. So We need to be there and be working and investing in each other. And so I think that's an important thing to grasp out of this. So those are my thoughts. Um, Any comments, questions, concerns? I think I'm under an hour, so hallelujah. Okay, let's go ahead and close the prayer. Josiah, will you close us?